Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joe Five O Live Free. I may not have a license to kill, but liberalism dies a little every time I pull the trigger on it. This is a conservative's perspective. America is a land of heroes, a place where greatness is born, where destinies are forged, and where legends come to life. This is the home of Thomas Edison and Teddy Roosevelt, of many great generals, including Washington, Pershing, Patton, and MacArthur. This is the home of Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Amelia Earhart, Harriet Tubman, the Wright brothers, Neil Armstrong, and so many more. This is the country where children learn names like Wyatt Earp, Davy Crockett, and Annie Oakley. This is the place where the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth, and where Texas Patriots made their last stand at the Alamo. The American nation was carved out of the vast frontier by the toughest strongest, fiercest, and most determined men and women ever to walk on the face of the earth. Our ancestors braved the unknown, tamed the wilderness, settled the Wild West, lifted millions from poverty, disease, and hunger, vanquished tyranny and fascism, ushered the world to new heights of science and medicine, laid down the railroads, dug out the canals, raised up the skyscrapers. Our ancestors built the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history, and we are making it greater than ever before. This is our glorious and magnificent inheritance. We are Americans. We are pioneers. We are the pathfinders. We settled the new world. We built the modern world, and we change history forever by embracing the eternal truth that everyone is made equal by the hand of Almighty God. America is the place where anything can happen. America is the place where anyone can rise. And here, on this land, on this soil, on this continent, 
the most incredible dreams come true. This nation is our canvas, and this country is our masterpiece. We look at tomorrow and see unlimited frontiers just waiting to be explored. Our brightest discoveries are not yet known. Our most thrilling stories are not yet told. Our grandest journeys are not yet made. The American age, the American epic, the American adventure has only just begun. Our spirit is still young. The sun is still rising. God's grace is still shining. And my fellow Americans, the best is yet to come. Wow. What do you say about that, huh? James Bostick here. Hey, everybody. Uh, James Bostick here with conservative perspective on Mojo 50 Radio, Mojo50.com. If you're not listening, uh, seriously, no kidding around, you really should be. It is the very best of libertarian and conservative talk radio that you're going to find out there anywhere. Mojo50.com. We're here Sundays, 4 p.m., and if we are here, and I, I think we are, it's Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, because that's when this show goes on the air with Mojo Five O, and we're happy about that. We also do a live version two nights a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays live on Blog Talk Radio through the Patriot Nation Radio Network. A, a tremendous, tremendous week for the president. Uh, I don't care who you are, and there's a lot of people out there hating it. Oh, boy, do they hate it. But it was, it was a magnificent week for the president. Um, you know you want to talk about grace under pressure. Uh, and, and it's no surprise to any of us that he has it, and he's got it in boatloads. But I was just thinking about the president on Tuesday night giving the uh, State of the Union address. Now, he's giving the State of the Union address the night before he is to be judged guilty or, you know, they're going to convict or they're going to acquit on his impeachment trial the next day. So the night before his impeachment trial or the conclusion of it and the voting uh, on guilt or innocence, he addresses the Senate. And the House of Representatives, everybody. In the well of the Senate. And gives the State of the Union address. And not only gives a State of the Union address, and, and you know, it doesn't matter who the president is. The State of the Union address is obviously the, the bully pulpit for the president to say, hey, this is what we did. This is, you know, what I told you guys I would do. And this is how far we are along in our plan. And so it's a showcase. It's a showcase of the president and his administration's uh, accomplishments. And he's got them. <laughs> Dude has got accomplishments. Dude has a resume. He has got some depth. And he showed that Tuesday night. And the Democrats, by contrast, by stark contrast, were clearly just as unmistakable in their lack of depth, in their shallowness, 
like I said on Thursday night, you know, and and they they did they diligently sat on their hands, classless Democrats, applauded nothing, recognized nothing, gave no credit, stern, dour, adversarial, evil people, and you know the stories that the president told. And the exemplars, the guests that he had at, at the State of the Union address. Uh, again, the ideals here are not Republican or Democrat. They're very American ideals. They're extremely inclusive ideals. They're ideals that are held open for the embrace of all Americans. There, there wasn't anything partisan about the people he was talking about. You know, I don't know. You know, who the, you can't stand up for a 100-year-old World War II veteran, a man of distinction, a legend in military and aviation circles, a legend in American history, a part of American history. You can't stand up and recognize this guy's service, this guy's sacrifice. Why are you not standing up? Well, the president introduced him, and we're we're against the president, as you guys probably have picked up on. And uh, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna we don't care if it's good, we don't care if it's right, we don't care if it's true. We've decided we don't like this guy, and we're out to get him. And that means that we're gonna we're just gonna totally disrespect him on all levels. And if that means disrespecting the country and disrespecting you indirectly. My Republican friend, this is the Democrats talking, then we'll, we'll hate and disrespect you too. Cause you're all part of that. And, and they did. But again, that wasn't a partisan, those weren't partisan concepts. Those weren't Republican stories any more than they were Democrat or Libertarians. They're American stories. They're the things that showcase the greatness of this country and the greatness of this country stems directly from its people. Remember that old saw, only as strong as the weakest link? Exactly. Well, speaking of the State of the Union, we've got some highlights from that, always worth listening to. A bit on the longish side, but you know, the president likes to talk, and we're happy to listen. Highlights from Tuesday's State of the Union speech, President of the United States, Donald John Trump. Madam Speaker, the President of the United States. My fellow citizens, three years ago, we launched the great American comeback. Tonight, I stand before you to share the incredible results. Jobs are booming, incomes are soaring, poverty is plummeting, crime is falling, confidence is surging, and our country is thriving and highly respected again. thrilled to report to you tonight that our economy is the best it has ever been. Our military is completely rebuilt, with its power being unmatched anywhere in the world, and it's not even close. Our borders are secure. Our families are flourishing. Our values are renewed. 
our pride is restored. And for all of these reasons, I say to the people of our great country and to the members of Congress, the state of our union is stronger than ever before. If we hadn't reversed the failed economic policies of the previous administration, the world would not now be witnessing this great economic success. Joining us in the gallery is the true and legitimate president of Venezuela, Juan Guaido. Mr. President, please take this message back to your Please take this message back that all Americans are united with the Venezuelan people in their righteous struggle. Ian has always dreamed of going to space. He was the first in his class and among the youngest at an aviation academy. He aspires to go to the Air Force Academy, and then he has his eye on the Space Force. But sitting behind Ian tonight is his greatest hero of them all, Charles McGee was born in Cleveland, Ohio, one century ago. Charles is one of the last surviving Tuskegee Airmen, the first black fighter pilots, and he also happens to be Ian's great-grandfather. <laughs> Tonight is a special man, beloved by millions of Americans, who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news, but what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, thank you. I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I will now ask the First Lady of the United States to present you with the honor, please. I'm calling for bipartisan legislation that achieves the goal of dramatically lowering prescription drug prices. Get a bill on my desk and I will sign it into law immediately. With unyielding commitment, we are curbing the opioid epidemic. There's one more thing. Tonight, we have a very special surprise. I am thrilled to inform you that your husband is back from deployment. He is here with us tonight, and we couldn't keep him waiting any longer. The sun is still rising. God's grace is still shining. And my fellow Americans, the best is yet to come. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America. Thank you very much. Where's the partisanship? Where is the exclusivity in anything that the president said tonight or in any, any, any speech he's ever given? Show me the racism. Show me the separatism. Show me the division 
sowed by what this guy says. Now, I'm not talking about in the, the folks that are crazy because anything that the president says uh, is, is going to set off crazy. But of course, I'm talking about the Democrats, the never Trumpers. The ideals that the president holds with and that he offers without exclusion to anyone, without discrimination to anybody, any American citizen, transcend political ideology. Now, obviously, I think that they lay, uh, you know, conservatism lays a lot closer, you know, like right beside nationalism in terms of America because we, we have, I think, conservatives, uh, and, and the, the national, the nationalist types. It's the country and the object of America is to be what it is. And that's the greatest place on earth, even with all its flaws, even with all its hiccups, even with all the, the stupid things that corrupt politicians have done in the name of this country. Even in spite of all those things, it's still better than Russia. It's still better than China. It's still better than Uruguay. It's still better than Mogadishu. It's still, there's nothing to it. And the ideals of opportunity, of liberty, ordered liberty, You know, it's tough to touch that. It's tough to touch that with anything anywhere else. Who who has that? Who offers those things? The the practically boundless opportunities that America offers in terms of advancement. Yeah, you got to work hard. It ain't going to be handed to you. You're going to have to take it. You're going to have to you know get your hands dirty. You're going to have to dig, dig, dig if you want to make it. But you can. And a lot of people do. The president highlighted all kinds of success stories in big ways and in small ways. That's America. That's America. And he gives this speech, this tremendous, tremendous speech. And he knocks it out of the park. And the entire country except for Democrats and the the never-Trumpers, the guys that hate him. You know, everybody else stands up and cheers. Everybody else listens to the president and goes, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, what's what he's been saying his entire campaign? That's what he's been saying to you and me, to anybody that will listen. And apparently 63 million people did because it's created, without a doubt, the greatest and certainly the most timely course correction this country's ever seen. Can you imagine what it would have been like uh, with Hillary Clinton as president of the United States? Seriously. Think about that. A Hillary Clinton presidency with a Democrat-controlled House and Senate. Think about that. You want to talk about the big boogaloo? <laughs> The Big Boogaloo would have been on its way. They would have ordered the Big Boogaloo online, and it would have been delivered in 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, it just, that's providential. That's providential. And no, God can pick terrible, terrible people to do great things. You look in the Bible. Look at all the terrible people God picked to do great things. 
Saul of Tarsus, King David. Bad guys. But then God put their, you know, God put them on the ground. He put his foot on their neck and said, this is how it's going to be from now on. You're not going to do those things. You can do this instead. And they did. So, this last week, of course, with the acquittal and with the the, the off the chain, uh, I wish I could have played a longer clip, but you know, well, we're going to be clip heavy anyway. In the second half of the show, we got uh, some interesting stuff from Chris Matthews and. The next day after the acquittal on Thursday, the, the president gives the, the State of the Union address Tuesday night, and he kills it. Knowing that the next day, members of the United States Senate were going to either vote to convict or acquit. Now, like I said, he you know it, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Democrats had nothing. They never had anything. And I'm going to... I'm still pressing this issue because I don't understand how this works. In order for an impeachment to take place, the mechanisms for impeachment, the, the, the one thing is it has to be approved by the full House. That means there has to be a vote of every member of the House of Representatives, Democrat or Republican. doesn't matter. It's not just the committee heads or the Democrats or the Republicans you know, as the case may be, on committees, it has to be all the members of the House. That didn't happen. That did not happen. You had Nancy Pelosi making the proclamation that there was going to be an official impeachment query. Well, you know what? There can't be an official. You, you can go ahead and proclaim that. You can declare that. But unless in conjunction with that declaration you hold a vote of all the members of the Senate to decide whether or not you're going to do this. And they say, yeah, we will. You don't have an impeachment. The only way the Judiciary Committee, and that's who this, I don't know, you know, she, she gave it, and I guess maybe she gave it to Adam Schiff because the, the Judiciary Committee hearings with John Dean and Bob Mueller earlier in the summer were just, they were a yawn fest and a laugh, a laugh in. It was pathetic, and she was probably still mad at Nadler over that. So she hands it off to her pal uh, Adam Schiff in the in the in the uh, he's committee on intelligence. Yeah, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He's the chairman there. But there was no vote, guys. So as its precedent dictates, that the impeachment issues are handled through the Judiciary Committee. They weren't. They were handled through the the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. But in order for these things to go to the Judiciary Committee, there has to be a vote. There has to be a vote. Not the vote in the Senate to convict or acquit, the vote in the House of Representatives as to whether or not to proceed. Without that vote, these subpoenas that the Democrats swore up and down, uh, the President's men were ignoring, they weren't subpoenas at all. They were simply letters requesting voluntary information or voluntary participation in testifying. There was no penalty behind. There's no lawful subpoena there, and that's what they called them. You know, they were refusing to answer lawful subpoenas. They weren't. They're, that's a lie. 
Because the only way you can have lawful subpoenas is if you have an impeachment that has been voted on by the full House. It never, ever, ever was. And this is where I have so much cognitive dissonance. Because if that never happened, and it didn't, and if that's the case, then that was never an impeachment to start out with. Why the hell did the Senate entertain this? Yeah, they swept it away and everybody got, you know, it was terrific stuff and all that. But why did they even entertain it? Why didn't they just let Nadler and Schiff drunk walk Nancy back to the house and get her some coffee? I haven't found a satisfactory explanation for that yet, but I will soon. But not in the immediate future because we're down uh, to the bottom of the hour and we need to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we've got some stuff uh, on the Iowa caucuses and the fix that's in on there for Bernie. Chris Matthews pushing the pink button and the president, uh, ebullient and victorious on Thursday with his comments after the, uh, after the impeachment acquittal. You, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea are listening to a conservative's perspective and you're listening to it here on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Mojo50.com. If you aren't listening, you ought to be because it is the very best in libertarian and conservative talk radio and ACP, a conservative's perspective. Proud and just a little bit humbled to be moving through that rarefied air. More of ACP. Uh, coming up here in about, well, whatever the, whatever the commercial break is. So we will be back right after this. ACP, Mojo 50 Radio. Fast Track student loans can get your student loans out of default. Stop Having an extra supply of food on hand is just smart. Some people call it prepping. I call it smart. You never know what's going to happen in this world. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. You'll find out a lot of good reasons to have that food and some great prices. MyPatriotSupply.com. Do you love watching sports? Well, how would you like to be able to take your favorite sports with you and watch them anywhere? In your house, on your computer, even on your smartphone for one low price. With National Programming Service, you can. That's right, for one low price, so low we can publish it, you can take your favorite sports anywhere, anytime with you. And we even give you free installation and free premium movie channels. Don't wait. Call National Programming Service right now. Right now, you could be up and running and watching your favorite sports and shows in just a few hours. Remember, call in the next 10 minutes and ask about our special radio offer and learn about free installation. Call right now. 800-477-4612. That's 800-477-4612. You know what makes you feel really good about yourself? Doing something good for somebody else. And if you'd like to do that today, go to JDRF.org. Join them in the fight against type 1 diabetes. JDRF.org. It's something good you can do for the world. JDRF.org. Donald Trump's done. He's done. There's no question about that. 
He's done. Breaking news. A bombshell. Today is a turning point. Today was historically bad for President Trump. Today was a turning point. A turning point. We're at a turning point here. The beginning of the end for the Trump presidency. The beginning of the end. And breaking news. We have another bombshell. Mike Pence might have to assume the office of the presidency. The call for impeachment. Rumblings of the word impeachment. Breaking news. Another bombshell out of the White House. I believe this is the beginning of the end. I do too. It's really the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. The beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. It's the beginning of the end. It reminds me a lot of the last days of Nixon. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Breaking overnight bombshells. This is a very dramatic day, and I think it might be near a tipping point. Do you think this is a tipping point? This is unbelievable. This is remarkable. Have you ever seen anything like this? His presidency is crippled. December 1st, 2017, you can mark it down. This is the day that everything changed. We begin with the bombshell. The beginning of the end. 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 In fact, if this were a football game, we're in the third quarter. May even be the beginning of the end. We begin tonight with the bombshell. Donald Trump is in a lot of trouble. Trump is in trouble. The president will resign. Another hour, another bombshell. This is a tipping point. Trump's going down. This president could be impeached. I do not think the president will serve out his term. Resignation. Resignation. I don't think this president is going to serve out his term. Mr. Trump will not serve out his term. He will not serve out his term. No way, no how. Breaking news. Absolute bombshell. I think Donald Trump is in trouble. Donald Trump is not. He's done. And it's over. It's over. The wall's closing in. The wall's closing in. This is going to be the Achilles heel. Breaking news tonight. I expect Trump to depart. This week will be the watershed week. Trump is in big trouble. Trump in a lot of trouble. It's a sign of a terrified old man who feels the walls closing in. The walls are increasingly closing in on him. Tonight, the walls are closing in. Today changed everything. This is the beginning of the end. Today, the biggest tipping point for the Trump administration. What a historic day. The bombshells, uh, they fell. It's entropy and it's crumbling internally. He's underwater. He feels the walls closing in. Could his testimony be a turning point? We may be at a tipping point. It's the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. Another bombshell. 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 This is a bombshell. It is a bombshell. I am beginning to resent the word bombshell. Hey, everybody. James Bostic here. Con- uh, conservative's perspective on Mojo 50 Radio, Mojo50.com. That's where, and that was me. That was me doing it uh, early in the morning on Sunday. My throat's really relaxed. And I always come out sounding like J.D. Sumner from the Stamps Quartet. Or Barry White. Anyway, <clears throat> what was I talking about? Oh, uh, <laughs> you, th- this is ACP, a conservative perspective here on Mojo 50 Radio, Mojo50.com. If you're not listening, you really should be. It is the very best in libertarian and conservative talk radio out there. Top flight stuff. Outstanding hosts, outstanding programming. And as I always say, ACP proud and a little bit humbled to be moving through that rarefied air. Well, a triumphant week. 
for the President of the United States. And more importantly, and, and I'm not going to, I root for the guy. I voted for him, going to vote for him again. Liked what he had to say. It took me a little while to get used to him. But the more, the more I listened to him, the more I liked what he was saying, the more that, you know, it resonated positively with me. And the same thing with 63 other, uh, 63 million other Americans. And so we put him in the White House and he went in there basically to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And he ran out of bubble gum very early on. And <laughs> these things, and, and like I said, you know, it, it, there is a, a competitive aspect to it. Especially in the news cycle, you know, who's giving who, you know, a hard time? Who's dogging who out? Who's up in poll points and these, these different things? So it's, you know, it's almost like a sporting event in a way, a blood sport. But here's the thing, you know, and, and that's okay because that's part of it and that's just part of American politics. But here's the deal. These victories in this particular case, and I can think of maybe one other case. These victories that Donald Trump and the Trump administration enjoy, these, these successes that they achieve, these are our successes. These are our victories as well. And Well, you heard the opening segment, the best is yet to come. That was, that was some terrific stuff. And, you know, I don't care what anybody says, the guy can sell it. The guy can sell it, and he can sell it better than anybody. He sells it better than Barack Obama. He sells it better than Bill Clinton. Way better. He sells it better than Bernie Sanders. He sells it better than uh, Mitt, McCain, Mitt, Mitt McCain, John McCain did, or Mitt Romney has. What a disappointment! What a what a what a Fredo! Okay, what a Fredo! And here's why, and I think this is the secret to Donald Trump's ability to sell these things the way he does and get things done is because he believes it. That's why he's so successful at selling. That's why he sold me. He believes it. These things that he talks about, they're not platitudes. He he's there. He's for real. And and that's why I think whenever he speaks and eventually it's going to come to some point in a speech and even in the press conferences, wherever this guy goes, he's he's mindful of it. Uh, he's always talking up the country. He loves the country. He doesn't apologize for this country. He didn't go on an apology tour after he became elected. He believes in this country. He loves this country. It was like the tagline in one of these other, uh, the, the one I've been played last week. I can't remember the title of it. But anyway, uh, you know, he said all these years, you know, for decades and decades since the inception of this country, you've, you've been loyal to the president. And now you have a president who is loyal to you. And I thought that was, I thought that was pretty cool. And he's absolutely right. I don't, it, it, with the exception of Ronald Reagan. Because Ronald Reagan believed what he sold. 
And that's why he was as great as he was. And I and I and and yeah, Barack Obama sold it. Bill, Bill Clinton sold it too, and they did a good job of selling it. They had to because they were elected president, but they didn't really believe it. That's why you came away thinking you got tricked or you got fooled by Barack Obama or or Bill Clinton in in, in the aftermath. You know, well, these guys weren't what they said they were. This is not what they said they were going to do. They said I could keep my doctor. They said I was going to be saving twenty five hundred bucks a year on my health. You know, it was all lies, but but they sold it well. The difference is that Donald Trump knows what he's selling works. Bill Clinton knew what he was selling wasn't going to work. Barack Obama knew what he was selling wasn't going to work. He didn't care. He didn't care. You know, lousy customer service. He could sell you whatever. And we would buy it, and we did for eight years. That's what got him reelected. But when it came time to having trouble with the product, well, let me put you on hold. Customer service was terrible. Donald Trump's got excellent customer service, and his product does not fail. He doesn't need customer service because nothing goes wrong. But if it does, he has it there. He responds, in other words. He is responsive. So Tuesday, he knocks it out of the park with, with the State of the Union. Wednesday, the Senate convenes. They have their vote. Wednesday evening, the president is acquitted of both counts of uh, both articles of impeachment. And Thursday morning, around lunchtime, he came out and had to say this. We've all been through a lot together, and uh, we probably deserve that hand for all of us because uh, it's been a very unfair situation. Uh, I invited some of our very good friends, and we have limited room, but everybody wanted to come. We kept it down to a minimum, and believe it or not, this is a minimum. Uh, but a tremendous thing was done over the last number of months. But really, if you go back to it over the last number of years, we had the witch hunt. It started from the day... We came down the elevator, myself and our future first lady who's with us right now. Thank you, Melania. And it never really stopped. Uh, we've been going through this now for over three years, uh, it was evil, it was corrupt, it was dirty cops, uh, it was leakers and liars, and this should never, ever happen to another president, ever. I don't know that other presidents would have been able to take it. Some people said no, they wouldn't have. But I can tell you, at a minimum, uh, you have to focus on this because it can get away very quickly, no matter who you have. With you, it can get away very quickly. It was a disgrace. Uh, had I not fired James Comey, who was a disaster, by the way, uh, it's possible I wouldn't even be standing here right now. We caught him in the act. Dirty cops, bad people. If this happened to President Obama, a lot of people would have been in jail for a long time already, many, many years. Uh, I want to start by thanking some of, and I call them friends, because, you know, you develop friendships and relationships when you're in battle and war, much more so than, gee, let's have a normal 
situation. With all that we've gone through, we've done, I think, more than any president and administration. And really, I say, for the most part, Republican congressmen, congresswomen, and Republican senators, we've done more than any administration in the first few years. You look at all of the things we've done. I watched uh, this morning as they tried to take credit for the stock market from, from, think of that. Let me tell you, if we didn't win, the stock market would have crashed. And the market was going up a lot before the election because it was looking like we had a good chance to win. And then it went up tremendously from the time we won the election till the time we took office, uh, which was November 8th to January 20th. And that's our credit. That's all our credit. And leading up to that point was our credit because there was hope. And one of the reasons the stock market's gone up so much in the last few days is people think we're doing so well. They liked the State of the Union speech. It really is. It's a true honor to give it. Uh, making the State of the Union speech, I was with some people that have been around. They've been all over the world. And one of them said, highly sophisticated person, said, you know, no matter where you go in the world, it doesn't make any difference. There is nothing like what I witnessed tonight. The beauty, the majesty of the chamber, uh, the power of the United States, the power of the people in this room. Uh, really an amazing evening. I don't think there is anything like that anywhere in the world. You can go to any other country. You can go to any other location, any other place. It's the beauty of everything. It's what it represents and how it represents our country. I want to start by introducing some of the people that are here. I know some are going to be left out, but they work so hard. And this is really not a news conference. It's not a speech. It's not anything. It's just we're sort of, uh, it's a celebration because we have something that just worked out. I mean, it worked out. We went through hell unfairly, did nothing wrong, did nothing wrong. I've done things wrong in my life, I will admit. <laughs> not purposely, but I've done things wrong. But this is what the end result is. Yeah. You can take that home, honey. Maybe we'll frame it. It's the only good headline I've ever had in the Washington Post. But every paper is the same. Does anybody have those papers? Does anybody have them? Because they're really uh, like that. So I appreciate that. Uh, but some of the people here have been incredible warriors. They're warriors. And there's nothing from a legal standpoint. This is a political thing. And every time I'd say, this is unfair, let's go to court, they say, sir, you can't go to court. This is politics. And we were treated unbelievably unfairly. And you have to understand, uh, we first went through Russia, Russia, Russia. It was all... Bullshit. <laughs> we then went through the Mueller report. And they should have come back one day later. They didn't. They came back two years later, after lives were ruined, after people went bankrupt, after people lost all their money. 
people came to Washington to help other people. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I say. They came, one or two or three people in particular, but many people. We had a rough campaign. It was nasty. It was one of the nastiest, they say. They say, Andrew Jackson was always the nastiest campaign. Uh, they actually said, we topped it. It was a nasty, it was a nasty both in the primaries and in the, in the election. But you see, we thought after the election it would stop, but it didn't stop. It just started. And oh, tremendous corruption. Tremendous corruption. So we had a campaign. Little did we know we were running against some very, very bad and evil people with fake dossiers, with all of these horrible, dirty cops that took these dossiers and did bad things. They knew all about it. The FISA courts should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, it's a very tough thing. And then we ended up winning on Russia, Russia, Russia. It should have taken the one day, as I said, and it took years. Then Bob Mueller testified. That didn't work out so well for the other side. <laughs> but they should have said that first week because it came out. Is that right, Jim Jordan? They knew in the first two days, actually. Devin, is that right? Two days. They knew that we were totally innocent. But they kept it going, Mark. They kept it going forever. Because they wanted to inflict political pain on somebody that had just won an election that to a lot of people was surprised. I mean, we had polls that said we were going to win. We had Los Angeles Times and a few, a few papers actually said it was we were going to win, but it was going to be close. And uh, we did win. It was one of the greatest wins of all time. And they said, okay, he won. And, you know, I wrote this down because that was where a thing called the insurance policy, to me, when I saw the insurance policy, and that was done long before the election, that was done when they thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And by the way, Hillary Clinton and the DNC paid for millions, millions of dollars, the fake dossier. And now Christopher Steele admits that it's a fake because he got sued by rich people. I should have sued him too, but when you're president, people don't like suing. I want to thank my legal team, by the way, not for that advice, but for <laughs> other advice. And, and the rest of it, he goes on and he gives props to his legal team, Jay Seculo, Patrick Philbin, uh, Bob, Bob Cipollini, and um, Perry Mason. I can't think of the other guy's name. Mike Michael, Michael Purpura, I think, is that is, is what it is. Okay. Anyway, and, and he goes on and he thanks them. And uh, bullshit. I mean, he called it. Right there. He, he, <laughs> he said it himself. Here, we'll play it again. Bullshit. He nailed it right there. That's, that's all you need to say about any of this. It's what it was from the get-go. It's what it finished out to be. Nothing but. Bullshit. <laughs> that's awesome. Let's play it one more time. <laughs> Bullshit. And yes... I already have it isolated as its own clip 
And yes, I'm going to abuse the living hell out of it. I think that is just fantastic. <laughs> Bullshit. I guess while we got a little bit of time here, we need to talk about the Iowa caucuses. And it was a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. How do we know? I'll tell you. Just listen to this clip. The 2020 race kicks off with a debacle for Democrats. Chaos and confusion in the Iowa caucus. What a mess. What a night. It's so awkward, so embarrassing. It wasn't the Russians in this case. It appears to be the Democrats who did it to themselves. The two chief political exports of Iowa are uncertainty and embarrassment. This is an unmitigated disaster. Pathetic. It's embarrassing. This kind of catastrophe is devastating. This is a disaster for Democrats. Meltdown in the reporting process. These are probably the most prepared we've ever been as a party for these caucuses. It sounds like Troy Price may need to reevaluate his assessment <laughs> of their readiness. It's staggeringly embarrassing and really unacceptable. Not a good look for Iowa, not a, look, not a good look for the Democrats. If the Democratic Party wanted to get people organized and inspired and ready to go for the general, this was an unmitigated disaster. Um, they just hung up. It's uh, so frustrating indeed. There are numbers. So where are the freaking numbers? And yes, indeed, there are numbers, but apparently the DNC doesn't particularly like those numbers. So Tom Perez, chairman of the Democrat National Corporation, has decided they're going to re-canvas the, 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 they're going to do over. Now, guys, <clears throat> here's the deal. The Iowa caucuses have been going on since the late sixties, about 50 some years, right at 50 years. And, you know, I guess as a, as a predictor, you know, it, it has its value. It's like the first, I don't want to call it a presidential primary, but you know, in a way it is. Uh, you, you've got these two different alignments and you, you know, you vote for your guy. And if your guy has enough votes, then he makes the cut to the, to the next alignment. But if he doesn't, then on the second alignment or the second vote, you gotta, you gotta ditch your guy and vote for somebody else. A lot of people don't want to do that. But, but, but the point is the technology that they had 50 years ago, was considerably less advanced. I mean, it was, you know, prehistoric by today's standards, but they didn't have the problems that, that we have in this modern technological age. So they have this app that, that, that's created by companies, shadow, uh, information systems or shadow technology or something like that. And, uh, the CEOs, the, the, the board of directors, the chief executive operators on this thing, they all have tight ties to the Clintons. And Department of Homeland Security, uh, Department of Homeland Security says, Hey, why don't you let us, we'll check that out. Uh, you know, if you guys are worried about foreign interference in the election, we can, we can check and see how. You know, hacker resistant it is. And they said, nah, the Iowa Democrats went, no, nah, we're good. We got it. We're cool. Thanks. Absolutely. And, and in retrospect, they find out that there were absolutely no safeguards put in place. Anybody could have gone. They could have nominated Richard Nixon. That's, that's how wide open 
you know, to security breaches, this app was. Democrat leadership is going to find a way to take this thing away from Bernie Sanders. That's all there is to it. Well, they wouldn't do that. Well, they can't. Yeah, they would. They did it last time. They'll do it again. And they're already starting to move pieces into place to do that. You know, they, they, uh, they're, they're taking the, the positioning of the superdelegates back off the table. They're, because they know who they're going to use the superdelegates for, and it's going to be anybody but, but Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden is not going to make it. Too many people are now starting to look into what, what's going on and how crooked he's really been. And I think he's just going to fade. That leaves Buttigieg, that leaves Warren, uh, Bloomberg, who's bought his way in. I mean, they'll take Bloomberg over Biden. Look, here's the thing. Bernie Sanders spent his honeymoon in Moscow. Okay. Anywhere he could have gone in the world, he went to Soviet Russia. And he went to Moscow. He's for real. He's a real socialist. He's a real communist. He's a real Marxist. He's a real leftist. And while the Democrat Party hollers a lot of Marxist, leftist, socialist, communist crap, the corporate part of the DNC, the money Democrats, they don't want Bernie in there because they know he believes that stuff. It's okay to say it. It's okay to posture. It's okay to spend 35 bucks in a boutique to get a Che Guevara t-shirt and wear it. That's one thing. But when you try to spring that on the American people, you're going to have problems. And besides, I, as if Bernie had a chance, okay, let's just say that they they give him the nomination. Let's just say that the Democrats, you know, just go ahead and take themselves off life support because what's happening is they're turning communist, man. They're turning communist. Ocasio-Cortez, you've got this Islamo-fascist, Islamo-Marxist, uh, the whole thing going on with with Muslims, with communists, uh, Marxists in the in the government. There is no Democrat Party anymore. They're, they've moved too far to the left. I mean, it's not even the party of Bill Clinton anymore. It's not. It could be. It could be in the party of of John Kennedy a long time ago. So, the Democrat money says, "Well, I'm afraid we can't let you do this, Bernie. We we can't do this." Now, the Bernie supporters. In spite of supporting, in spite of supporting Bernie Sanders again, are not stupid people. They saw what happened last time. They've got noses, they've got brains, and and they can smell it coming again. And the Democrats, as you have seen over the last three years, uh, excel at dumbing down on uh, you know doubling down on stupid ideas and backing the wrong horse. And that's what's going to happen here. All these things they say is harbingers of the death of the Democrat Party. Could be. I mean, if they take enough hard knocks all at the same time, it could be over pretty fast. These are all debilitating things that are getting ready to happen to them. So what do you think is going to happen if Bernie doesn't get the nomination? 
What are those Bernie Sanders supporters going to do? They're going to make a face and they're going to root for Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg, Edge, Edge, Edge. What, what, what are they going to do? Buttigieg. I think is how I said it the first time I ever saw it. Buttigieg, Buttigieg. Okay. Anyway, uh, Alfred E. Newman. The answer to these questions and more will be figured out at another time because we're down to the bottom of, of the hour. And we got to roll. ACP heard here Sundays, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Mojo 50 Radio Network, mojo50.com. If you're not listening, you really should be. We also do it live Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, the Patriot Nation Radio Network. That's all the time we got, guys. We'll be back. Next Sunday, taking a look at things as we do through a conservative perspective. God bless America. God bless you. We'll see you then. Bullshit. This is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five-O.